This conversation originally aired on Koinonia, which can be heard Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360 in Phoenix or online at faithtalk1360.com. Welcome to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I am Presley Reader, and I have the privilege today of guest hosting, filling in for our good friend Tom Brown. And boy, what an honor to do this. It's the second time I've gotten to guest host this show, and it's a wonderful show, as you listeners out there know. And I love listening in, and even more, getting the chance to sit down with folks and be on the show, talk about things that I'm passionate about. If you uh, heard me guest host last time, you heard that I host another show called Aging in Arizona that actually airs on 960 a.m. every Sunday at 4. And we talk a lot about uh, the joys and the challenges that come with getting older here in Arizona. And so it's been uh, a real privilege to come and guest host Koinonia because I get to bring folks in that uh, we can talk about our faith and how our faith is impacting that journey as we age. So uh, last time I was able to bring on uh, Brenda Staples, who's a parish nurse at Grace Bible Church in Sun City, and uh, my dear friend Suzanne Stillian, whose husband Rick passed away two years ago unexpectedly, and we talked about the ministry that can come with uh, with loss and the loss that folks experience as they age. Now, we're all aging, we're all experiencing loss, but uh, there's a specific ministry that can happen there that was really exciting to talk to them about. Anyway, now today I have the distinct honor of welcoming another dear friend of mine, and his name is Chris Schoenleb. Chris is an author of multiple books. We're going to talk about one of those specifically today called Only God Could Heal Me, which is a fascinating story of his journey. I'm not even going to tease it any more than that other than to say that it's a powerful example of God's miraculous powers and something that you should uh, look forward to hearing from him today. But Chris, I want to start, of course, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's good to have you here. Good, good to be here, and it's good to see you behind the mic again. <laughs> well, thank you I very much. I love your much. show on, on su- Sunday. Thank it's, you. It's, for a guy who's older himself, it's, it's a great way to learn more about the process we all go through. Great. Well, I appreciate that. Now, uh, we've got a, we're going to have to get to a break in, in not too long here, but why don't you just introduce yourself to the listeners? Uh, what is your background, both professionally and personally? Hi, folks. I'm Chris Schoenleb. Uh, I'm a professional marketer. I spent over 40 years in a marketing career. Uh, I wrote a book about it called uh, Battling Marketing Myths, which uh, it explained how a man could uh, lose 11 jobs and still make a living. Uh, my, my claim to fame in that whole arena was the fact that uh, in 1972, I invented a line called Have It Your Way for the company Burger King. But enough of that. Um, what I really want to talk about is my faith life. Uh, I came to God late in life. I was uh, 41 years old when I finally saw the light, as they say. It totally changed my life. 
And uh, at the same time, uh, I found out how difficult sometimes it is uh, to take your personal life and take those practices into the business world. Mm. And real quickly now, before we go to break, Only God Could Heal Me is about? Uh, my journey from uh, a contracting Lou Gehrig's disease to a new life because God healed me from Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, something that just doesn't happen. It definitely doesn't happen, and we're going to hear all about it today on Koinonia. We're going to go to a quick break. I'm Presley Reader, guest hosting for Tom Brown. I'm joined by author Chris Schoenleb, and we're going to talk more about his book, Only God Could Heal Me When We Return, on Faith Talk, 1360 KPXQ. Welcome back to Koinonia, and thank you for tuning in today. I am guest host Presley Reader, filling in for our friend Tom Brown today, and honored to be here with my good friend Chris Schoenleb. Chris is an author of a couple of books. First, he wrote a book called Battling Marketing Myths. He was a marketing professional and is still a professional marketer in many ways, but uh, great history in the uh, professional space came up with the uh, him and his team came up with have it your way at burger king which is an, a really interesting story a fascinating book on marketing if you're interested in that but we're here today to talk about chris's personal journey of faith he came to know the lord at 41 years old and as you, chris was saying learned a lot after that about how to integrate his faith with his work but also has this exciting story about God's miraculous healing in his life and he wrote about that in the book called Only God Could Heal Me which you can find online I will mention we're not here to sell books but Only God Could Heal Me is available online it's a fantastic story Chris uh, let's talk about the time before you got to this diagnosis of Lou Gehrig's disease okay so you said you came to the Lord 41 years old and when you, were you diagnosed and kind of what stage were you at as a believer when you received the diagnosis? What happened between 41 and getting to that point? Well, you know, when you first accept the Lord, you're really enthusiastic. You go into Bible studies. Uh, I joined the church choir. Uh, I went to Bible study uh, right and left. Uh, I held prayer groups at, at work. Uh, but I really during that period of time, never really changed totally to the person I think God wanted me to be. Because what happened was uh, I never really changed my priorities. My first priority was still to be a hard-driving businessman. I was running companies. I actually, uh, right after I accepted the Lord, I accepted a job here in Phoenix to be president of Swenson's Ice Cream Company. And that was a tough job, and, and uh, I was a hard-driving guy, and uh, I found that my priorities were still work, family, and God. I really hadn't placed God first in my life, even though I professed Him. Uh, it's amazing how God can get your attention. And uh, 
my 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 journey to being a whole new Chris Schoenleb began in 1995 when uh, I. I had some real weakness in my wrists. I, in a period of six months, I went from being totally healthy to having uh, inability to use uh, pick things up. Uh, I uh, had to give up golf. I, I was had a mysterious uh, neurological disorder, and I went to a neuro- neurology guy, and who said. Uh, well, I'm not quite sure what you have, but you may have Lou Gehrig's disease. Let's do some testing. We did some testing. He still wasn't sure. Uh, my wife, my wife of my all my life, said, "Chris, we're got to go to the Mayo Clinic. That's that's where down in down in Phoenix. That's where we'll find out the truth about your disease." Chris, let me jump in right there because you just said something that I think a lot of our listeners have maybe experienced or had a loved one experienced. When someone says to you, you may have Lou Gehrig's disease, is that what is that like for you as an individual and particularly as it relates to your faith? Because I hear people say, once I heard the word cancer, I shut down completely. I couldn't even hear anything else. I didn't know how to respond to that. Was that a similar experience for you when you heard that? It's pretty unsettling. No. Uh, I think you define being sick by having pain, or you've defined sick by throwing up, if you if you excuse the expression. You define sick by having to be in bed. Uh, I wasn't sick in my mind. I just had a I just had some weak wrists and I was having a little trouble breathing and walking. And and I just wanted to ignore it. I, I compartmentalized it and I said, well, I'll take care of that today, tomorrow. Yet tomorrow, today I've got this job to do and the family, we're going to take a trip. My son's getting married. Uh, let's let's just uh, forget this thing and it'll go away. Just another project to manage. Exactly. Okay. And uh, But Joanne, your lovely wife, had other ideas and said, we need to go to Mayo. Right. So we went to Mayo, and, you know, Mayo actually named this disease. It's amyotropic lateral sclerosis, ALS. But when Lou Gehrig came to the Mayo Clinic and was diagnosed with that disease, it got that name. That's a bit of trivia for you. That's good. At any rate, on, on November 28, 1995, a long time ago, uh, Dr. Smith at uh, the Mayo Clinic uh, said, uh, "Mr. Schoenleb, uh, you, uh, we believe you have Lou Gehrig's disease. You uh, have about 18 to 24 months to live." Now that got my attention. In fact, um, that was a real turning point in my life. Uh, someone says you have 18. To 24 months to live. I guess I didn't shut down, but I sure did go far away into a deep place for a few moments to think about it. And then I was surprised. I was surprised at my reaction. I suddenly realized I wasn't worried about me. I was worried about what was going to happen to my family. I knew what was going to happen to me. In 18 months, I was going to die, and I was going to get out of here, and I was going to go see Jesus in heaven. But my family was going to have to put up with a lot. 
because even though I had not really accepted the fact I had Lou Gehrig's disease prior to hearing it from the Mayo Clinic, I looked it up and done research on it, and I knew what a terrible disease it is because you die of strangulation. Uh, you, you lose all your arms, use of your arms and your legs, and then you gradually, and you strangle to death. It's a terrible disease. Uh, so I suddenly realized what if I had a much stronger faith faith in God that I'd be taken care of and it was a total turning point in my life because up until then I pretty much focused on my career my life and the family was okay but now they were front and center and what was going to happen to me was well obvious so I, I don't know Presley it what happens to some people when they hear news like that but the next thing I wanted to do was I wanted to talk about it and you know what? People don't want to talk about dying to a person who's dying. Hmm. It's the most lonely place in the world to be. Uh, the, after the, the news, and we told our four children, they all came up, and we had a fine Christmas. Uh, everybody was at the house, uh, all the grandkids. We had a great time, and for three days— the big elephant in the room was, Dad, Grandpa, he's going to die. And no one would talk to me about it. And anytime I would bring up the subject, they'd change it. And I think the first thing I learned about uh, a, a death sentence, if you will, is that it makes you a very lonely person. And uh, one of the reasons I wrote my book, um, not the, the reason, but one of the reasons I wrote the book was to share with people what it's like to go through something like this because it, 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 it would help a caregiver, too, to understand what's going on in the mind of another person. Because I don't think I'm unique. I don't think I'm any different than anybody else. I think uh, most people want to talk about it, and they don't have that opportunity. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. It strikes me that you bring up that word lonely multiple times in what you're sharing. And back to the other show that I have the privilege of hosting, Aging in Arizona, we talk about chronic conditions like heart failure, uh, awful diseases like ALS, cancer, dementia, Alzheimer's disease. But what I often tell our listeners on that show and what I tell people about those who are elderly and what they're facing is that the chronic condition they experience most often is loneliness. It's not yes. any of those diagnoses that we that we think of. It's loneliness, and it's because... Partly, people are uncomfortable talking to them about dying and yes. the fact that they are getting closer to that inevitable result. And so they're uncomfortable talking about death, uncomfortable talking about the challenges that come with aging. It's exactly what you described. You just received a specific diagnosis that was, as you, as you said, a death sentence and people backed away from you. And, but what I hear you saying is the worst part of that at that time was your loneliness. Yeah. Um, I, finally, uh, I finally went to my pastor, and I just dumped on him 
for two hours. I finally got, I got a real appreciation of what pastors of churches uh, go through with uh, parishioners at times. Uh, it gave me a whole new angle on, on, on their life because uh, here was someone I, I had to talk to somebody about it, and he must know more about it than most people, mm-hmm. and he was very helpful. So uh, it, it, I, I don't recommend to everybody that they go see their pastor every time they think they're going to die, but in this particular case, it was, it was very helpful. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and pastors, I'm sure, are put in that position a lot, so we should applaud them for the role that they play in being able to be, as you termed it, as you called it, dumped on uh, by these, with these difficult situations. Chris, we're going to go to another break, but I want to ask you when we return this order that you gave earlier. You said you were a man who uh, came to the Lord at 41 years old, but your priorities were work, family, God. Then you receive a diagnosis uh, in 1995 of, of ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and you said that changed to family first. I want to talk about where God started to fit in as first priority in your life. So we'll do that when we come back. You're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm your guest host, Presley Reeder, and I'm talking with Chris Schoenleb today. He's the author of Only God Could Heal Me, his amazing journey from an ALS diagnosis to a miraculous healing. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Koinonia. I am the guest host today, Presley Reader, and I am really excited to be with you filling in for Tom Brown. Uh, This is the second time I've gotten to do this, and this is just a wonderful show. I really have enjoyed the opportunity to have a couple of guests on and uh, certainly enjoying time with my guest today, who is Chris Schoenleb. Chris is an author and who's written a couple of books. The book we're talking about today is Only God could heal me. And if you're just now getting a chance to tune in, we've been talking about Chris's journey to faith in the Lord at 41 years old. He was a high-powered, high-action marketing executive and president of several organizations, uh, companies, and then came to the Lord at 41 and tried to figure out what all that meant, how to engage his faith in the workplace, what that meant for him as uh, a family man, uh, and then also what that meant for him when he got a diagnosis of Lou Gehrig's disease in 1995. And uh, Chris, you were well into your career at that point or at tail end of your career at that point, and, but you had a family that you said you felt still some great concern for. They were getting older, your kids certainly, but you were more concerned about them, you said. So family became really the number one issue for you after that diagnosis. Tell us what role God began to play that was different from the role he'd been playing in your life up to that diagnosis. Well, uh, if when you go through one of these experiences, it takes you a week or two after you're given a diagnosis to come up for air, you're sort of in shock. But when I came up for air, I, I realized a couple of things. I only had 18 months to make sure I was right with God. So I thought I'd better talk to him regularly. I didn't always pray every day in my earlier part of life, but now I started talking to God every day. Uh, 
And I realized very quickly that I was blessed to have God to talk to because we were talking about how lonely I was. I could pour out my heart to him. But also, I came to quickly realize, what would it be like to have that kind of diagnosis and not know God and not know someone not and not know where you're going and think this was the end? How depressed could you get? I mean, I think the only reason I didn't go into deep depression was I had hope. And people who don't have God don't have hope. And and I think you probably run into that all the time in your in in your practice which uh, I'm so proud to to know and what you do because your comfort care is is a great service and something all of us should be using rather than trying to look for a home, I think. That's just an ad for you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, you had a hope. Right. And you had something to still hang on to with your faith. And you were doing more than hanging on. You were engaging deeply with God in these daily conversations. What was that like for you? Because you said, admittedly, you weren't talking to God regularly, all of a sudden you're picking up the phone and you're dialing on a regular basis and you said you're pouring your heart out. That's not something that comes natural to a lot of people. What was that like for you to start having that dialogue regularly? It seems sort of natural. Uh, I, I didn't have any trouble picking it up. And, and uh, the one thing about it is you don't really get any arguments from the other end. Uh, you You have someone listening to you and you say, well, you created the world. You've got me here. Uh, you've got me in this situation. Uh, what am I supposed to do now? Uh, I've been blessed as a person with an attitude towards life for all my life, which was, well, this is a situation. What do I do now? I never spend time arguing with God about why am I here because it isn't going to do any good. You're here. Uh you need to, and I think that helped me a lot in this situation and helped, would help anyone. If you just look at a situation and you say, okay, I'm here, what's, how can I make the best of it? What, what's the important thing to do now? Mm. And talk to God about it. Well, and I hear you say that, and I, I can resonate with that because you and I know each other well. We've known each other for years now, and you're a problem solver. You were a problem solver in your professional days. You're a problem solver in your personal life. You tackle it as a leader would. You look at it and you address it that way. But I'm going to press you on that and ask you to talk a little bit about the emotions that were involved in it. Because you must have woken up every day feeling something. Um, you must have felt that when you came, even when you came to the Lord to talk to him, did you feel a sense of awe? Did you feel humble? Did you feel scared? What, what were some of the emotions? The answer is yes. Uh, when you're in a situation uh, where you think you have a limited time to, to live and you're coping with how do I take care of my estate? How do I when do I stop working? When do all these things happen? You're on an emotional roller coaster. One day you're up, the next day you're down. You wake up one morning and you find out you can no longer use your right hand, which happened to me, and you're really down. And then you think a while and you talk to God about it and you suddenly realize, well, this is temporary. I'm going to be out of here. But then how do I deal with this inability to use my hand as I try and go back to work. 
so it, it's it's a really an emotional roller coaster. And anyone who's been in one of these situations, I know I've talked to a number of people since. It it you you are up and down. One moment you're focused on hope, and the next moment you're focused on, oh, do I hurt? <laughs> and and it's diff- difficult. Up and down for sure. I, you do you hear that. A lot. And I appreciate you talking a little bit about that. And you, you kept tackling these new challenges, new challenges springing up every day. Let's transition and talk about what happened then, because you get the diagnosis. I assume you started treatment. And then the story in the book, the book's called Only God Could Heal Me. And you're still sitting here. And this was 1995. So let's talk about the inevitable here or not the inevitable, but let's talk about the result. Something happened to keep you around. Well, first of all, there is no treatment for Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. There is absolutely no medicine. There's nothing you can do. In fact, when I left the Mayo Clinic, they said, if you want to come back, fine. If you don't, we understand. Uh, There was no hope as far as they were concerned. Wow. Uh, But uh, I had another neurologist in Chicago uh, that I was working with. So I I went to him again and said, you know— Will you test me again? He did, and he said, I'm not sure you have Lou Gehrig's disease. It's not progressing the way it ought to be progressing. Uh, So that gave me a little bit of hope. And when it gave me a little bit of hope, then I began to say, well, what can I do? Uh, And the answer was, well, I can keep working. I can keep trying to get things done. I can try and live as normal a life as I can for as long as I can, which is what I did. And I prayed to God every day. God, give me clarity. Do I have Lou Gehrig's? Am I leaving this world or not? Because I want to tell you something. There's something worse than knowing your fate, and that's not knowing your fate. The uncertainty of, well, I'm getting worse all the time. Am I going to die or what's going to happen to me? That uncertainty is horrible. And did God give you that certainty right away? Did you no. ask one on Tuesday and he delivered on Wednesday? No, not at all. And, uh, and that was really a three-year winnowing process that uh, changed me forever. Because what, re- what happened was I went back to the Mayo Clinic a year later. And they said, we don't think there's a good chance you may not have ALS. You may have it, but we want to try some treatments now. I took the treatments. Nothing worked. I still got kept getting worse. Uh, so... I said, well, if they, their treatments don't work, maybe I'll try, at the request of my wife, I'll try alternative medicine. So one of the reasons that I can say only God could heal me is that not only did I use talk to regular doctors about my disease from the Mayo Clinic, the finest medical institution I know, uh, but I went to alternative healers. I went to an alternative medicine man who tested my hair, recommended I pull all my teeth because of the, the silver in my teeth. Uh, I went to uh, an acupuncturist who gave me uh, uh, Chinese herbs that we cooked and made into some of the worst tasting stuff you'll ever taste. I drank that for two <laughs> months. I went to a nutritionist who, who uh, put me on a uh, purging diet. For a month, I lost 18 pounds, and I couldn't eat any pizza, hamburgers, or bread, which just drove me nuts. I can imagine. <laughs> but at any rate, I tried all this alternative medicine because maybe they could find something that the regular doctors couldn't since they didn't know what was wrong with me. 
at the end of all that, there was nothing. And, you know, I'd been working two years uh, after I got the diagnosis, and at this point, I got so bad, I couldn't dress myself. And so I had to stop working and retire, and I hadn't much to look forward to. It was kind of a downtime. And all this time, this is a three-year journey, part of the journey, and all this time you're praying, God, just give me clarity. Right. And it, you're not getting any clarity. You're trying all these different things, and you're still uh, deteriorating physically. Right. Uh, and it was hard. It was hard. It, it, but I never gave up because I, I, I looked at it this way. God's in charge. If he's putting me through this, there must be a reason for it. Now, I want to tell you, emotionally, that's hard to do. you got to be a, a fairly rational person to go through something like that and make it stick because it's easy to say, well, get me out of here. Uh, at some point when you fa- – I, 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 at some point I wondered if I was going to be a total cripple or what was going to happen to me. And at that point in time, uh, God sent a, a messenger. He sent me the head of the Mayo Clinic Neurological uh, uh, department up in Rochester, and I went up there All for right. a week. Great. That's a great lead-in because we got to go to a quick break, but the next segment we're going to hear what this messenger from the Mayo Clinic that God sent to you had to say. Uh, we want to hear more from Chris Schoenleb. He's the author of Only God Could Heal Me, a messenger from the Mayo Clinic that God sent has a message for him. When we return, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm your guest host, Presley Reader, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Presley Reader, your guest host today, filling in for our good friend Tom Brown. And I am also here with my good friend, Chris Schoenleb. Chris is the author of Only God Could Heal Me. And it's his journey from a uh, diagnosis of Lou Gehrig's disease, which is an awful disease, to uh, healing. And uh, that was in 1995 when he was diagnosed. And now he sits with us here today, and Chris has been talking about what that has meant for his faith, what that has meant for his family, and I want to hand it right back over to you, Chris, because right before we went to break, you said that God, after three years of you praying for clarity, do I have this awful disease or do I not? And if I don't, why is my body giving out on me? Am I going to be crippled for the rest of my life? Uh, and if so, why? God sent you a messenger from the Mayo Clinic, the original Mayo in Rochester, Minnesota, the director. What did that messenger have to say to you after three years? He gave me clarity. He said, Chris, you don't have Lou Gehrig's disease, but you are going to be a total cripple. By the year 2000, you will not have any use of your arms or your legs whatsoever. So get on with life and figure out how to deal with it. So I... uh, I, I, Sometimes God's messengers don't come, you know, with celebratory no. news, but it's still a message, yeah. and you took it still as a message from the Lord. Yes, I did. I mean, I had clarity. So uh, Joanne and I went back home. We 
uh, worked through a plan to uh, remodel our house so that I could stay home once I was a total cripple. And uh, we proceeded to uh, go down that path. And then suddenly, about a year after I'd been to the Mayo Clinic, I woke up one morning and I said, I feel better. Uh, I had been drinking coffee through a straw because I couldn't, I had wrist drop. And uh, I said, I think I can lift that cup. And I could. And I was on an electric cart driving around because I couldn't walk from here to the door. I couldn't dress myself. And suddenly uh, I could walk a little bit better. And in the course of 60 days, I got 50% of what I'd lost back. Never got it all back. But I'm the only person, I think, in the history of the Mayo Clinic had ever got a wrist drop back. And uh, within three months... I was able to go on a 2,000-mile trip driving a car, witnessing to people what God had done to me. And I, I felt like a 5,000-pound elephant had been put off my back. I was back in business. And then it hit me. Why did God do that? 30,000 people die of Lou Gehrig's disease every year. Why was I not killed? So I said, well, he has to have a reason. Well, you've been saying that all along. You said when you had got the diagnosis, you said, well, God's in charge. God's on his throne. He must be doing this for a reason. Then when you didn't get clarity for three years in the process and you prayed every day asking for clarity, you said, well, God's got a reason. So it sounds like you stuck to that principle. And when this happened, you asked the same question. Well, God's got a reason. Why? What is it? And, of course, like like an idiot, I I sat around and waited for him to tell me. Well, he didn't. And so after a couple of months, I said, I've got to go find out. I've got to go start knocking on doors. I started at my church, and I quickly found out that uh, there was a need for a ministry there, which I helped found. I became a deacon of that church, and so I became very much involved with the North Phoenix Baptist Church. Uh, but that wasn't enough. I, I couldn't figure out what all I was to do. Uh, so I just kept knocking on doors, and doors kept opening. And so I started mentoring people. Uh, I got a new job. I actually went back to work full time. Uh, I got to see my grandchildren grow up uh, and became, you know, the wise old sage and grandpa. And, and I loved that. And uh, my life became joy. And I still knock on doors. I recently became involved with the Phoenix Rescue Mission and have gone on their board because of the work they're doing with the homeless and because they needed someone with my marketing background to help them build awareness in the city for their great program. So I, I suddenly realized God had run me through the ringer. He, he was now first. He was definitely first. I talked to him all the time about, okay, Lord, I'm here. What do I do now? Uh, and I prayed this morning that I'd have the right words for this program because I, I don't think you can pray enough. And the biggest lesson I learned from all of my experience was that prayer can't, the importance of prayer can't be overemphasized. Uh, I had people praying for me all over the country, people that I'd known and, and people, good, good Christian friends. Uh, and I'm sure that their prayers were 
one of the reasons I was saved. But I can tell you, and I would say this to anybody listening to this program, it, the power of prayer is inestimable. If you, if, if you don't believe in prayer, start believing, because prayer can, can create, can, can solve. Prayer is the answer from God to all things. Well, and that's a, such a powerful message. I almost feel like we should just say, God, here on the radio, God, we are thankful for Chris. We're thankful for what you did there. We can talk to you, whether we're here on the radio, whether we're here, um, we're driving around. As you said, Chris, uh, we can praise him. And I want to praise him publicly for uh, healing you, for the impact that you've had. It is amazing to watch you. I've only known you since the time that you already had experienced this and since you were so involved and so committed and the impact you've had on me personally uh, at church, I see this being lived out. So I know it's not just words that you're speaking here on the radio. It, it really is a lifestyle for you and an impact that you're having. Um, and we, we praise God for that. I know jointly we do. Um, I have a question here uh, to ask you about most people, I think, would ask you, what would you say to somebody who's been diagnosed with a terrible disease like that and how do they approach it? I'm going to actually ask you to add on to what you said. What would you say to people who have not been diagnosed? If you could go back to that 41-year-old Chris Schoenleb who asked the Lord to come into his life, who committed his life to Christ, but who maybe wasn't quite ready to put God first in the day-to-day -day activities, now it it kind of took this diagnosis and this journey for you to get to that place. And it often takes that. God does that in people's lives, I think, to get them to a, a new place, a new Christian life. What would you say to the person who hasn't been about their relationship with God based on what you've learned? Well, I, the easy answer is uh, I hope you could learn from my experience and not have to go through what I went through in order to— uh, come to the realization of who's got to be sovereign in your life. Um, it's hard to be humble. And you have to humble yourself, particularly if you're a business executive, because your, your whole being is got to have a little uh, chutzpah if they, in order to, uh, to survive and move forward. But you can have that with the support of God not in anticipation of asking him, ask him, I would say to him, now that I've thought about your question, I would say, look, instead of asking God for what you want, ask God for what he wants and take time to listen. Hmm. Uh, look, look, for, look for signs. Wait for s s signs. Don't go in and say, Lord, these are the three things I need this week in order to be successful. Because it's not going to happen that way. Um, uh, as many times as I've prayed to God, please give me clarity in things. Clarity comes from walking with the Lord. And clarity comes from faith uh, and belief. And the other thing I would say is there's always hope. Whether you've, whatever you're facing, uh, someone's been through it before. And God, God, if if you walk with God, God will get you through it. Good words from my dear friend Chris Schoenleb. He's the author of Only God 
could heal me. I mentioned earlier it's available online. Chris has also made himself available to provide you with a signed copy. He lives here in the Phoenix area. His email is Chris Schoenleb. That's Chris, C-H-R-I-S, Schoenleb, S-C-H-O-E-N-L-E-B. I'll spell that again, S-C-H-O-E-N-L-E-B at gmail.com. And Chris, a couple minutes before our final break, and I wanted to uh, ask you, why'd you write the book? Because I made a promise to God. Uh, it's a story, a quick story. A friend of mine said, uh, a very good friend of mine said, Chris, uh, I know you're in deep trouble right now, but when you're healed and God will heal you, you've got to promise me that you will promise him that you will tell the world that he did it. And uh, I thought that was crazy. God, uh, God doesn't listen to promises. But I made the promise. I said, Lord, if you heal me, I will tell the world what you've done with all my breath any way I can. And I did that. But the whole time I did that after I was healed, I kept saying, I'm not telling the whole story. I, do, I did a two-minute segment or a three-minute uh, YouTube segment, which is on right now about this. But it didn't tell the story. It didn't tell the story I just told here. And so... I kept getting prodded. You got to write a book. You wrote another book. Write this one. So I finally did. And I finally am at peace. God prodded me for four years to write this book. And I finally just sat down and said, okay, I give up. I'll write it. And uh, because it's so personal. I mean, you meet my wife. You, 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 I, I try and share with you what it's like to go through and experience the possibility you're going to die in 18 months. And what it's like to talk to God and what it's like to be with a family and what it's like to go to work and what it's like to wake up in the morning. And it's very personal and it's very difficult to write something that's as personal. So if you write, if you read the book and I, uh, I, I wrote it to be, a, to, to be a witness, not to make money. Well, it's a very personal journey. I've read it. It's a powerful journey. Only God Could Heal Me is what it's called. It's by Chris Schoenleb. He's joining us here today, and we're going to wrap up with Chris when we come back. You're listening to Koinonia on 1360 Faith Talk KPXQ. Welcome back to Koinonia. I am guest host Presley Reader. And I'm here with my guest today. His name is Chris Schoenleb. He's the author of Only God Could Heal Me. Boy, what a great conversation with a dear friend today who has shared a very personal story of his receiving the news that he was diagnosed with ALS back in 1995. ALS is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, a terrible disease that affects, I think, Chris, you said it, uh, 30,000 people a year die from this, this disease. And I know... I'll put in a plug for the ALS Association, doing great work for yes. fundraising and research, and uh, they've got a chapter here in the Valley, so if anyone out there is interested in getting involved, please do that. Also, if you're interested in reaching out to, to Chris, his email is chrisshoenleb at gmail.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-S-C-H-O-E-N-L-E-B at gmail.com. You can get a signed copy of the book or talk to him about any of the information we've covered today. 
All right, Chris, we got to wrap up. How's the book been received out there? Well, uh, the f- I w- I'll say that my wife received it very badly. She said, you told too much about what went on about me. Uh, <laughs> but I, the book's been received very well. Uh, you know, when you write a book like this, you don't expect thousands and thousands of copies. Um, but I, I have, I've had feedback from people who've said, you really have given me hope. Uh, and I think probably the best feedback I got was from a group you sent me to talk to, talk to out in uh, Sun City, where they said, well, this is something care receivers, caregivers, excuse me, should, should read because uh, if you understand what goes on in the, in, in the mind of the care receiver and what that loneliness is there, that, that hurt that's, that needs encouragement, that it, it, it's, it's, it's been very helpful. So I've, I've been happy with it. Uh, I, 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 can, I, I just hope that everybody will believe as I believe that God is here. God is still making miracles. He's not some far off place. And that, there's, that all you have to do is tune in through prayer to reach him. Perfect. Thank you, Chris. God is here. Thank you for being here. And I hope you'll tune in next time for Koinonia. It was my privilege to be here guest hosting for Tom Brown. This is Presley Reader signing off. We'll see you again next time for Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. For questions or comments, please email tom at faithtalk1360.com. That's tom at faithtalk1360.com.